Hey, Oasis Church Chicago, Pastor JP here. Hey, we're so glad that you're joining with us on our podcast today. I pray today that this message stirs your faith, that it builds you up, that it draws you closer to the Father's heart, and ultimately that you just feel the embrace of heaven. We would love to stay connected with you and you to stay connected with us. So please feel free to check us out on our website, oasischurchchicago.com, or download our app, Oasis Church Chicago. Also, you can be sure to join with us on our live stream on our YouTube page every Wednesday night and Sunday morning. Now here's today's message. Good morning. I know some of you are thinking, like, weren't you just up week before last? I did so bad, they gave me a do-over. So, so I need you guys to bear with me, try to get this right this time. No, in all seriousness, I'm going to open up just a word of prayer. I want, want us to bring our hearts and our minds in and prayerfully receive what God has for us today. Uh, Lord, we just thank you. God, you are awesome. Lord, you are wonderful. Lord, you alone deserve the glory. Lord, we thank you that in this moment, Lord God, you prepare our hearts, you prepare our minds in order to receive what you have to say. Lord, you gave us your word for the equipping of your church, for the preparation of the saints, and Lord God, to, to bring those who don't know you into the knowledge of who you are. So Lord, we pray in this moment, Lord, that you use me for that purpose. Lord, allow me to decrease that you may increase in our midst. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. It's my title up there. So I'm staying in the, in the vein of behold. I was looking over the, the messages I was, as I was looking at a title. I'm not huge on titles, but I, I, I was like, I like this one. Um, I like behold. I want to stay in that, in that, uh, in that series. Um, and it's appropriate. Did you know in the, in the scripture, you probably don't know because you didn't look it up right before this like I did. But the word uses the, the, that, that phrase behold 1,298 times. Behold. Scripture says behold. And so that, the word that, that they use is actually translated more literally, do not miss this. See this. Make sure you see this. Be sure to see this. And so as we are focusing in on it, behold, I'm asking the question now, what are we beholding? Ask the question to yourself, what are you beholding? What are you making sure that you don't miss? I want to read the verse Romans 12, 1 through 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I want to focus in on that second half of that, that, that second verse. Do not be conformed, but be transformed. How are we being transformed and what are we not being conformed to? Now, we popped in on Romans 12 and it says, I beseech you, therefore. You know, that means that something got said a little while ago where Paul is pivoting off of that. And so if you read Romans 1 through 11, there's a vivid, detailed description and thought out process of, of, of explaining the sacrifice that God made, the sacrifice that Jesus made, what it was for, the gospel in its fullness, just an elaborate explanation of, of that, that doctrine. Here he's transitioning to, okay, I'm going to give you some application. Therefore, I mean, this is heavy. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice because that's reasonable. So whatever he said before then, it's like, oh, so, so, so with that said, give me everything you got. So I advise you to go back and read that so it can help inform and bring forth the importance of, of and the, the weight of what's being said next. Paul is using the word here, do not be conformed to the, to the things of this world. And so that word, again, and we're going to do a little bit of etymology here. You might need your lexicon and your concordance and all that. I'm smart, so you might want to break all of that out, you know, real, real seminary-like. That's what we're going to do it today. But when you look at that word world, it's talking about the age. Do not be conformed to this age. And what is the age? It is a time period, kind of a, a mindset, a worldview in that moment. Paul is saying do not be conformed to this world today, to this age. Don't, don't be like the people of this age, but be transformed. And so that we may know again. And so what we are beholding, what we are looking out for is that we may know 
what is acceptable, what is the will of God, what is good, what is God desiring? How am I not, how am I removing myself from this world? How am I in the ocean, but I'm in the boat, and the boat isn't the ocean, but is in the ocean, right? We've, we've, we've heard that, that analogy before, and I think it's a great analogy. How am I being that, that on that oasis, right? On that, on that place where I'm here, but I'm separate, I'm, I'm set apart. And it's interesting, in Ephesians uh, 2, 1 through 3, it says, and you were dead in your trespasses and in your sin, following the course of this world, following the course of this age, following, following the practices of the prince of the power of the air and the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. So that's not a small thing. When he says, don't be conformed, that's not like saying you probably should take the 290 and not take the street. It's not a probably or maybe. You were dead in your sin. You were headed to death. In fact, the Bible continues to say the natural person does not even accept the things of the spirit. You were in a place where you were completely cut off from God. This world, this world that we're being asked to not conform to, those mindsets that we have, they're completely cut off from the things of God. They are in enmity with God. They are against God. It's not just this soft, uh, I think there could be a better way. That's why you don't feed me that all the God is just the same. It's just a different name. No, no, one way is true and one way is false. And, and that's okay. I'm not scared to say that because I didn't make it up. I didn't make that. I didn't wake up one day and say this is what's going to be true. No, I decided to follow what was already there. And so I think we can so easily now in the time that we, we exist in to, to have that timidity around a hard and fast yes or no. There's a, uh, well, you know, uh, our faith is being more influenced by what we see and what we're taking in than us actually influencing or, uh, or allowing what we believe to influence what we see. Right? I, get, I was in a conversation yesterday. Someone was asking me, like, what do you think about the aliens? Y'all been hearing about these aliens. Don't leave me out by myself. They say these aliens coming and all that. And they were serious. You know they want to come to me like I, like I got the word, like the lowdown on the aliens. <laughs> Pastor Charles, the aliens are coming. What? Listen, this is all I know, okay? I didn't read anything about aliens in the Bible. Never heard about an alien in the Bible. I don't know if they're coming or not, but when they get here, if they ain't saying Jesus Christ is Lord, they can go back where they came from. That's all I got to say. Don't come here talking about you, the Anunnaki, and we were birthed from you and all that. Look, yeah, I know my, I, look, mm-hmm. I know all that. We did not come from, no, no, not monkeys, not aliens. Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve. So I don't know about the aliens, y'all. I'll let you know once they arrive. They just better be talking right. They better be worshiping with their big head self. They better, they better be talking right. I want to look at, I want to look at it in scripture. It's a, it's a story we all know. It's, it's a, a situation that we're all familiar with. But I, there was something that I saw in the story as I read and, and, and as, I, as I studied it out that was so fascinating. I want to talk about Barabbas, of all people, right? How does mindset and mentality and, and, and making sure we're not being like this world, how does that connect with Barabbas? And I know some of us have heard the parallels that, that people who understand Scripture and have read Scripture have made between Barabbas and the believer, how someone who was des- deserving of that punishment exchanged places with Christ. And that's, that's great. That's a great um, uh, acknowledgement and the thing to see. But I saw something else in that. Um, let's talk about Barabbas a little bit. Now, me, I form my opinion of who Barabbas was by the movie The Passion of Christ. That's that's what I, when they showed him in the Passion of Christ, he rotten teeth, had a wooden eye. He just came out and Pilate was like, okay, who you want? It looked like a pretty easy choice, right? Like Jesus standing there just, okay. And Barabbas on the other, do you want me? And it's like, okay, that's kind of clear that don't release the guy that with the wooden eyeball and the, 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 the messed up teeth that killed someone. But there's something interesting about Baraba, right? That's not his name. That is, that is a part of his name. Anybody know what Barabbas' name was? Jesus. His name was Jesus Baraba. Interesting. I said, okay, God, let's do this then. How is his name Jesus? The early church fathers were so offended 
that that was his name. And that was common for people to have the same name. Multiple disciples had the same name. We, I'm confused all the time. I don't know which John said what when. I don't, Paul was who at first and now, okay. So it's, it's okay. I'm not making this up. This all is verifiable. His name was Jesus Baraba. Now, not only is his name Jesus, but Bar Abba. Somebody talk to me now. We ain't got to go clean in the Greek. Bar is son of, who is Abba? The father. So the guy with the wooden eye is gnarly. His, 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 the vision of him began to change for me now. Wait, you mean to tell me they were presented with Jesus Christ? And Christ is not his last name, by the way. It's also, it's a title. It's anointed. The anointed one. So Jesus, the anointed one, the son, right, who he proclaimed to be the king, the Messiah. And then this Jesus, son of the father. Okay, come on, let's keep, let's keep going. Not only was that his name, but if we read, because he's in all of the gospels, the description of who he was and what he did, the, the word, the, the, the thief that he was proclaimed to be, well, that word, Kleptis is actually not the word that where we get the word klepto. That's the word that, that describes thief or theft. That was not what he was called. It was lestes, which is an insurrectionist, which is a bandit or a, a, part, a person that's a part of a band. He was a revolutionist. Read about what they said. He was infamous for his crime. He was infamous for leading an insurrection and murdering. Again, this gnarled mangled, half out of his mind, kind of image began to dissipate. Wait a minute. This sounds a lot like somebody who the people who had to judge for him who was being released could really jive with. He was rising up against the powers that be, standing up for the people, fighting for the people, even willing to kill. Now, not saying he wasn't crazy because he was infamous. There was, some, there was definitely a level of aggression that, that got him put where he was. But yes, there was, there was a movement that was happening at the same time. Actually, the two thieves on the cross, lestes, that was the word used to, that was the word translated as thief. They were on the cross. Think about it. When Jesus was standing before the people, Pilate, they had to create an accusation to get Pilate even to be able to kill him. Because what had he done? To What capital crime had he committed to be susceptible to be punished by murder? They had to say he was the king. He keeps saying he's the king. That would get the ears of the powers that be because it's like, oh, Okay, you're trying, to, you're trying to stand up in the place of authority. You're trying to exert, exert some dominance and some power. So now we, can, we would have to respond if you did that. The same way with the other Jesus, Barabbas. Is, see, you're, you're trying to rise up against us. You're trying to take over something. And so let me just keep this simple. This is what we're looking at. They're being presented, the people, right, who have read, who have studied, who have been waiting, who have been anticipating, who have been watching, who are a part of the culture and know all of the different nuances, they're being presented with two different Jesuses. It's two different. How do you recognize which one is the right one? See, in their heart and their mind, they were waiting on someone who would come and fight for them. They have been, been, they have been promised a deliverer. They have been promised someone who would come in some level of strength and exert his dominance and his authority and say, these are my people. Get your hands off of them. They wasn't really rocking with the guy who braided a whip and was driving people out of the temple. The one who was forgiving. The miracles wasn't enough. And that, that, it, it began to dawn on me, how, how after you watched him, all of these miracles and the crowds follow him, how then did the leaders deliver him up and convince the people, read scripture, it says they walk through the crowd like, no, nah, we got to get him, we got to, what was in their heart? And this, and this, man, the Pharisees, they, they get it, right? When we talk about scripture, it's always like a Pharisee, a Pharisee. These were actually the, the leaders. These were the knowledgeable ones about scripture. And about what they, they were the ones guiding. And so the, the crowds that were listening to these whispers and their heart set and their mindset 
had not been set on what God was actually saying. They weren't able to see what was the perfect will of God. They were only able to see what was in their own heart, their own desire. You read in Mark, Mark 15 and 17, and, and he was chained with the rebels, and he had committed murder in the rebellion. It says that Herod had, Herod had around this time, um, began to institute a thing where he would release someone anyway. And I mean, so it was, the, it was the perfect opportunity. God set the table for the people of God to say, okay, I understand we have some discrepancies. I know there's some things that's going on. But right now in this moment, we get to, to, to make the right decision about the person who, we've, who we delivered up to, to be murdered, to be killed. And they still got it wrong. People of God, we're no better. We're no better than that, that group of people who literally walked and seen and heard the voice of Jesus. We're no better. And so how do we then attune our own ears? How does that relate to us right now today? You're like, okay, we're, we're not in the same situation. Well, I'm glad you asked that question because we actually are. We're in a space right now where we're being offered either a revival or a revolution. What do you want? What do we truly want? We stood here and saying, God, we want to move. We need a move. What is the move? What are we looking for? What are we expecting? What are we desiring? When it gets here, will we recognize it? Or because if it speaks Spanish, we won't be able to see it. Or if it's black, you're not going to be able to see it. Or it's from the south and it has a little twang in his, in his accent, you won't be able to hear it. Yeah, that, that, that should cover the whole gamut, right? I got everybody. Everybody got hit. On a boom, boom, boom. I need one more. I can make up another one. I won't leave nobody out. Are we attuned to the ear of God to be able to hear what Christ is saying? Because the, the biggest mistake I think that we make in the church, one of the biggest mistakes, I don't want to exaggerate, one of, one of the things I don't like a lot is that we put horns on the devil. We did that. The Bible describes Lucifer as the angel of light. He's a beautiful, the son of the morning. They said he fell from heaven, and they say he fell on his face. We, we put horns on the devil, so we're expecting the ba da ah, the devil. No, 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 no. I don't, that's, if I see something crawl into a night of the living dead, some old, oh, I, don't, I, know, I know to not deal with that, right? I know what to do with that. But if he, if he slides up, you know, ladies tall, dark, and handsome, and smelling good, you can, you can see him. Or guys, if he just walks up, I ain't going to even pretend to be like, I ain't going to do that. <laughs> guys, whatever way, you know, they come up beautiful. Then it's a little more, it's a little more, okay, wait, what, what is this? What is happening here? Like, are, just ask yourself, are you really desiring justice or do you want revenge? Right? Like, there's a thin line. There's a thin line in it. And are we, we just want justice. Or is it vengeance that you actually see? We have to search our own hearts. I'm not here to judge. I'm here just telling you what the judge said. Because, see, God knows our hearts. That's one of the scariest things you can say. You know, you, you have people that's like, well, you know, I'm doing this, but God knows my heart. Yeah. And he said that it's exceedingly wicked. Mm-hmm. He does know your heart. You don't know your heart. I don't want to know your heart. I don't want to know what God knows about you. I like, actually like you. I want to leave it that way. I don't want you to know what God knows about me. Y'all think I'm kind of cool sometimes. You let me up here to speak and everything. I don't want you to know what God knows about me, but God knows our hearts, and he wants our hearts. He doesn't just want that moment where we're, where we're saying something and standing up and thinking we're, thinking we're doing this great work because those people who were given this option were not thinking we're going to throw away all that we worked for. We're going to just throw it down the drain. These leaders aren't saying, hey, I'm going to purposely out of my own rationale just deceive these people. They were convinced that they were doing the work of God. Now, there's a level of blindness that it takes to ignore literally what is clearly in front of you, but 
they didn't have ill intentions. Again, on this end, we can read it and look back and think like, oh, you, you just had to have from the very beginning thought to think this up in your heart to do something wrong. But what did I read right before this? If we are not being transformed, if we're not being renewed, then we still have old dead mindsets. If we are not being renewed, but in fact, we are filling ourselves up with the, 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 the words and the heartbeat of what our culture is saying to us and what the world is saying to us, then we're going to be presented with an option that looks so good. It looks so good. And not all the time is it, is it going to kill you. One of the tools of the enemy is if he could just wipe us out, he probably would and he should because as, as long as we're alive, then God is in the earth. He's, he's living in us. His church is alive every time we take a breath. That's the kingdom. But the, one of the greatest things that he can do is put us in a place of confusion. There's nothing worse than a confused Christian. Because a confused Christian is a tool in the hand of the enemy. A well-meaning, zealous Christian who just Bible thumping but doesn't know God, oh, you, you a rocket launcher for Satan. Because you got all the stuff to say with no substance to it. You got all the opinions, but you full of the world. You're conformed to what the, our mindsets and mentalities are not conformed to the word, but yet we're conformed to, to what we see and what we hear, and now we want to live our Christianity out of it. It doesn't work that way. I believe we're presented with this option all the time. Jesus Barabbas or Jesus the Christ. I think we're presented with that all the time in everything that we do. And guess what? We have gotten out of the habit, and I don't want to speak in too many generalities, but I think we need to get back into the habit of asking God, God, is what I'm taking in okay? Is what I'm doing conforming me more to your image or more to the image of this world? Even in the simple stuff, again, I'm not... I'm not here in your business. I'm not in your living room. I'm going to just talk about me. Simple example. You ever been watching a movie? You ever turn on this movie you've been waiting to see? And it comes on and they start cussing. And you're like, ah, okay. See, I don't like like watching a whole bunch of it. I don't want to do it because then if I hear it a whole bunch, then it's playing in my head. And then if you cut me off, I'm going to say what's playing in my head. (laughs) But that's just me. Not not, nobody in here. The holy ones, not y'all, me. Right. I don't want to play those things in my mind. But you're watching a movie and they come on and they say a little something. And then they got a scene in there that's questionable. And you're like, ah, I'm going to just fast forward. I'm going to turn my head. You're going to turn your head. You in there like you five turning your head. My wife made me turn my head all the time. Turn your head. We shouldn't be watching this. And then it goes a little bit further than they introduce that character. Right. Because in all the new movies, you got to have that character. They got to get the they got to get that one character in there that represents the mindset of the world of today. I ain't going to mess with nobody. I'm just, you know what I'm talking about. They got to get that care. And then at, at some point, you just find, ah, I'm not, I can't watch it. I can't watch it. You just turn it off. Or you, you struggle through it. And you take it in. You just, you, ah. And then you don't tell your Christian friends you watched it. Somebody, somebody here. And I ain't going to point you out. Thank you for the support. I appreciate the support. Somebody didn't did it before. You don't want to talk about it. See, those little compromises, and it's something small, but those little compromises, we don't understand we're being desensitized. We're being conformed. We're being transitioned into not saying anything. You ever heard that, that, that the silence is complicit? Like when you, you are complicit with something in your silence. And so this, this is just a challenge to, to begin to, to have our minds set on the things of God by asking God, God, is this Okay. By not approaching every situation with this preconceived, pre-laid out notion that was not developed in the word and in scripture, but that was handed to me, that was given to me by the world that we're in. I'll give you another example because I, I do well with real world examples so you can know what I mean. If someone says racist, I need to, I need to drop everything at that moment, right? Right? Like a black guy, like somebody said racist, oh, oh no, oh, we're done. We're done. I'm mad now. Dude, you didn't. Like, come on, I'm, I'm, I'm way more Christian than I am black, believe it or not. You can lack it or you can't. You, 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 I'm, I'm Jesus' first. I'm his first. And nothing, nothing's going to make me put down my, my Christian flag to get, to get that taken care of first. 
you don't, when people start talking about forgiveness on certain levels, you, you, you tout it, but I'm telling you, I'm telling you, standing, I preach messages about forgiveness, about atrocities that were done, and I was rebuked for, what, what do you mean forgive? Slavery, what, what do you mean forgive? How dare you forgive? Oh, so you, so you don't want peace. So you don't want peace. That's hard. Yeah, that's hard stuff. That's hard stuff, because what is peace? What does that mean? Blessed is the peacemaker. What did, what did he mean by that? How do, how do you have peace after, after you've been harmed so? I don't know. Maybe we look at the example that Jesus gave us. I'm going to get smoked for that one later. I'm going to get, I'm going to I want it, though. I want it all, because it's scripture. It's the Bible. It's the word of God. And it takes, it takes you being outside of just who you are. What are you looking at? What are you looking for? Don't miss this. There's an opportunity for healing. Don't miss this. There's an opportunity for revival. But we're so busy looking at all the stuff that we're being shown that we're just looking to fix that thing. We're just looking to apply what we're looking for an opinion. I'm every, the same way. What you going to do about the aliens? I don't know. I don't care about them. It's interesting, but I don't care. How do I fashion my heart and set my mind and set my spirit in a space to where I know how to handle any situation that comes my way? That I know how to decipher the information that's coming in. But we live in this world where everything is just about the drama of it all. It's the drama of it all. Everything you, every time you hear something, every time you see something, man, you know the world is just getting so dark. Well, you should be getting lighter. Your light should be shining brighter. You should be even more discerning. The level of discernment that we're going to need, family, in the last days is in, The Bible says, do you know that the word says that God is going to send a strong delusion? Now, that, I can preach on that, but now, being confused is one thing. But when there's a deception, and that's, that's meant for, for those who don't want to receive God anyway. But, man, to be able to stand in a time where there's a deception that cannot even be seen beyond, where you have to just be saved in your, in your knower, like deep down in your own knower, where you know, no, I'm set, I'm set apart for God. Some, we're not going to get all the details of it right. We're not going to get all the details of it right. But you got to have the main thing, the main thing. You got to have the direction of God inside of you. I'm almost done. Salvation is a soul issue. That's what I talked about a couple weeks ago, week before last. Salvation, your mind, your will, and your emotions, that's your soul. God wants those things. He doesn't just want your hour or two that you spend in church. He doesn't just want you professing it in front, of your, in front of your friends or being the person who's standing outside handing out information or just serving in the soup line. That's not the only thing. He wants your mind, your will, and your emotions because in that time when that crowd was being presented, it wasn't about the work they had done. It was about where their heart was. What's in your heart? What do you see? What do you see being presented to you? And you have to know what to look and also not to go with the crowd. 99% of the time, listen, especially early in my walk with God, I knew you couldn't do a handful of things. It's like the big three, right? You can't drink, smoke, have sex outside of marriage. It's like you just, you kind of heard that when you walk past the church, when you weren't even saved. You just know not to do that, right? You didn't know those, those, those more intricate, more detailed things to, to actually ways to follow God. But one of my main things that I would do is if everybody was doing it, I would not. If everybody got on the bandwagon for it, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm going to stay away from it. It was just a safe way to operate. And most of the time, it literally was what led me to actually seek God, to hear from God that that's not something I should be doing anyway. And it was not something that was conforming me to his image. We have to be careful of the crowd, and it's so easy. I'm saying things, and I'm saying it. I don't want to say it like it's just, like, oh, you just got to stay away from it. No, it's, it's interwoven into our lives. When you open your apps, when you, you're being advertised to constantly, we don't even recognize it anymore because it's just so common. Everything is a sign. Everything is a signpost. Everything is an advertisement to you. Every time you say something and then you look at your phone and, and that's the first, you type in P and it's the parachute that you were looking for. It's like, how did you know I was going to type in parachute? 
Because yes, it's listening. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's actually in the app agreement. It's listening. You're being advertised to. You're being, people are buying your information. The devil is crafty in everything he's doing to make sure he gets you his message. What are you doing to make sure you're getting God's message? We're not putting this in the IV and pumping you full of it. You get a few times you get to come sit in church. You get to go to prayer. You get personal time with God. But you have to make this thing. You have to obsess over it. The same way that the enemy is obsessing over you, you got to obsess over God. You got to make it something where it's all the time. I'm beholding you. I'm setting in front of him. I'm setting you in front of me, God. God, what, are you, what, are, what would you have me do in this moment? You can have fun with God. It don't got to be all deep. God, which job should I take? Do I move to Tennessee or to Texas? I don't know. No, just do some simple stuff sometimes. God, I want just, just let my rest be better tonight than it was the night before. I just want to wake up and feel really refreshed. God, give me someone to speak to today. I want to find somebody that's, that, that I've never talked to before, had a conversation with. God, show me who they are. But get in the habit of hearing God. Get in the habit of being in conversation with God. So it's not always a, 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 you're in dire need. Because then you, you, you actually play those mind games. Like I said, the, the enemy will have you in your mind. Well, you ain't talked to God all week. You want to talk to him now because you need something? And then you're like, oh, well, I'm just not going to pray then. I'm just not going to pray because I know I really didn't even, I ain't do what I was, wasn't at prayer. And so God probably not listening. Stop. Stop. Let's get in a habit. I'm wrapping up. I'm wrapping up. I want to look at another real quick, just the parable of the wheat and the tares. Again, just so interesting. Talking about the, how easy it is, how easy it is, how similar right and wrong looks. Uh, another parable Jesus said to them, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in this field. But while the man slept, his enemy came and sowed tares amongst the wheat and he and and went his way but when the grain has spouted and produced a crop then the tares also appeared so the servants of the owner came and said to him sir do you not sow good seed in your field how then does it have tares he said to them an enemy has done this the servant said to him do you want me to uh go and gather them up the tares that is but he said no that's why you gather up the tares you also uproot the wheat wheat with them let them both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather the tares and bind them in bundles and burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. I'm telling you, just sit, just sit with that parable for a little while. God is showing us like literally there are, there are things in your life that are planted there that are meant to be a distraction to you. And God said, I'm not going to move it yet. I'm not going to move it yet. Because this is a part of me growing you up. It is a part of your growth. This is a part of your process. Notice a lot in Scripture when, when, there was, when they were under hard persecution and the, the writer, Bible writers would pray, they wouldn't just say, oh, God, just please deliver me from this. What would they pray? Lord, give me strength to endure. See, we don't want to go through nothing. We don't want to have to make a hard decision. We want it to be clear. You need the devil to come walking up with his horns and his huge red pitchfork and with his tail and just be like, I am the devil, come do this. So you can be like, no, not happening today, devil. Not today, Satan, right? <laughs> I have a mug that says not today, Satan. It ain't that easy. The good and the bad are side by side. God is saying, I set before you today life and death. I'm setting it. You have to choose. What is a choice if it's, if it's just an automatic, no, I know. I know what's going to happen. I know how this is going to go. What should you do? Where should you go? Where should you have lunch? What relationship should you be in? These are things we're submitting to God. And I'm telling you, let's not let this political mindset that the world has come. Everything is polarized around politics these days. Church, we, we got to be separate. I'm not saying have a, don't have a stance. I'm not, staying some, not saying stand somewhere. But, but let the Spirit of God, let the Holy Spirit guide our hearts. Let the Holy Spirit lead us and influence what we think and what we say. I'll share this, and it's really personal. It's super personal for me. Um, but, again, I'm, I'm, I'm an open book for you guys, and I, I'm compelled to be so as, as I minister because I feel... I feel that God is using you out there just as much as he uses me as I speak. But there's so much conversation around immigrants that are coming in. 
right? So many, so much conversation. This is specific. It's just something that's been in my mind for, for several weeks. And you hear so much about it, and you hear interesting points on both sides and see people in the middle who really don't want to say much and don't know much. But I'll tell you something that superseded what I thought, what I think, how I feel, my political stance, even my rationale. I go to Home Depot a lot, right? Some of you guys know where I'm headed with this. I go to Home Depot a lot because I'm always doing home projects. But every time now when I go to Home Depot, I see a woman and her child. Sometimes they have them wrapped up, they have them on their backs, or they have this, and it's always like a little three, two, three, four-year-old child. And these women are like selling gum, selling water. And it was in the moment I got out of my car, and I'm, I know all of these things in my head, and like I said, I, I have my own opinions and my own stances when it comes to things. But in that moment, when I, when I saw that lady with her child, my political affiliations did not matter. My, my legal or illegal or immigrant, I didn't see any of that. I saw this woman standing outside with her child doing whatever to provide for that child. I'm not trying to get you to lean one way or another, but if you, I got chills, my hair standing on end just thinking about it, and it's, it's so common. I see it every day because I'm always there, and, all, and it's always a different one. It's always a different woman. But when you see, sometimes God will speak to you through that. I'm not saying let's start a movement. I'm not saying it, but you're not going to stop me from helping her. I dare you try. You're not going to stop. Just her. Just her. I don't know about this whole, I don't, I can't start a foundation. I don't, I don't know. I don't know all of that. Maybe. Who knows? But, oh no, I won't, I won't, let me get some of that gum. Give me some of that gum. Give me some of that waters. Because I was, I was compelled. I was compelled. I was pulled. And God, God ain't going to reject that. God is not going to reject me extending kindness not changing my affiliation. God is not going not to reject me extending kindness and, giving, and, and showing peace to someone. No, no. I want us to go in there with that mindset. I just want to pray for us now before, before we release. I want, um, I want God to, to meet us where we are and whatever space we're in, some of, some of us who are mature in it and, and have this in practice, I want to pray your strength. I want to pray your continued perseverance because we need to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Those who endure to the end will be saved, so we never arrive. And for some of us, you don't even know how to begin to approach this. How do I change all of what God is, uh, of, of what the world has put into my mind? Just as the world says, do not be conformed. Make a choice to not be conformed. I will not do what the world is doing. I will not think the way they're thinking. I won't see the way they're seeing. I'm going to be transformed. The word of God is the great transformation. It's the great transformation. Everything you need is in the word of God. Everything you need is there. That's a good start. I want you to bow your heads with me. I want to pray. God, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for who you are, Lord. We thank you for the simplicity of your word. We thank you for the simplicity of your spirit. Lord God, we know you are so dynamic and so great, and no one can know you exhaustively, and there's so many facets to who you are and what you are. But Lord God, you gave us this gospel, which is a simple thing. Lord, you said that Jesus exchanged who he was with us, that he put on our sin, that we may put on his righteousness. Lord, we ask for that in this moment. Lord God, just for us to lay down who we are and what we are and what we've done and what we know. Lord God, in exchange it for the direction of Christ, for what he gives, his provision. Lord, we want to be ready as we behold, Lord God, we want to be prepared to see you when you show up, be it in the small spaces or even in the major things in our life and the big things that are happening around the world. God, we want to have eyes to see and ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. Do not let us be deceived. Lord, we desire to know you. We desire to know you intimately. We desire to be directed by you and be guided by you. Lord, in any way that we feel short in this, Lord, we ask for your forgiveness. Anything that we've overlooked or missed or not tended to in the way that we should, any words of hate that we may have spoken, Lord God, or ways that we may have torn people down, ways 
ways that we may have compromised and allowed things in our life that shouldn't be there, things that we may have tolerated that are abominations to you, whatever it is, Lord God, we ask for your grace. We ask for your forgiveness, Lord. We ask for your mercy, Lord, and we ask for you to build us up. We ask that the Holy Spirit be stirred up in us, Lord God, to know what is good and right and pleasing unto you, Lord. We thank you and we give you honor in Jesus' name. Amen.